Good morning. Anybody glad to be in church today? Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Man, I love, I loved our worship time today, and I love, we sang about victory, and uh, how many know that our, we have a victory shout as followers of Jesus? We have a victory shout. It's a name, and it's the name of Jesus. The Bible says that at the name of Jesus, devils have to flee. At the name of Jesus, sickness is healed. At the name of Jesus, hope is restored. At the name of Jesus, we have won every victory. So I think it'd just be appropriate for us right now to give a victory shout. And just right now, let's just, Jesus. How about that? Come on. Jesus. Woo. Yeah, Jesus. I'm excited about today, if you couldn't tell. Um, yeah, if you got your Bibles, we're going to jump right into this word. I want you to open them up to 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5. If you're looking for it, go clear to the back of the Bible and uh, then turn left. John, Jude, uh, third, or I mean uh, Revelation, Jude, 3 John, 2 John, 1 John. The, the three books of John are three really little books, and uh, we're going to read from John chapter 5, and I'm just going to jump in at verse 1. John writes this. He says, everyone, say everyone. everyone, 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 I love that, everyone who believes that Jesus is Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves the child born of him. All right, so what, what John is saying here is everyone who loves God is going to love each other. Because if I'm born of God and you're born of God, then we're going to love each other. That's one of the signs. In fact, Scripture says that they'll know we are Christians by our Love, yeah. So everyone who is born of God, everyone who loves the Father is going to love the children of God. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and follow his commands. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Aren't you thankful for that? And this is the verse that I really want to hone in on this morning. Verse 4 says, For whoever has been born of God, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. I, I would just encourage you, if you've, got, uh, if you've got your physical Bibles with you, if you've got a highlighter or a pen or something like that, to, to circle the word victory and to circle the word has. Circle it, highlight it, underline it, whatever you have to do there. Because according to Scripture, and this is a theme that runs all throughout Scripture, if you and I, if we are born of God, if we've been forgiven, if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, then we are actually designed to live from victory. We get to live from a place of victory. Imagine this. Imagine if every decision that you made, Every circumstance that you ever faced in life, if you, if you met it head on with this firm conviction that because of Jesus, there is no way that you could ever lose. Imagine if you live life like that. That because of Jesus, that, that no matter what the circumstance may be in the moment, that you've already won. If, if, come on, man. If Jesus is for you, Scripture says, then who can be against you? You and I... We were meant, we were created, we were destined to live not just looking towards and hoping for victory someday, 
But we actually are instructed to live our lives as if victory has already happened. I love the way that John writes this, and he does it on purpose. He says, this is the victory, is, present tense, this is the victory that has overcome the world, past tense. The, the overcoming has already happened. I was thinking about that this past week, and uh, many of you know this already. If you don't know this, then I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. I am a massive, ginormous Kansas City Chiefs football fan. Anybody? Woo! Go Chiefs. Anybody? Yeah, I got a couple of you with you. You're my brothers. You're my sisters. All right. So I'm a, I'm a ginormous Kansas City Chiefs fan, and, and, and listen, I, I want to make this clear that um, I have been for a long time. I'm not one of these, hey, they won a couple Super Bowls, and, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes is their quarterback, and so, you know, a Johnny-come-lately Chiefs fan. Man, I, I have been there for a long time. I was there when, oh, man, it was painful back in the day. I mean, I, I was there in 1983 when we look past Dan Marino and Jim Kelly and, and you remember t drafted Todd Blackledge? Sure, he's a great guy. It was a bust of a draft. It was horrible. I, I suffered through, you know, the Steve DeBerg and the Gunther Cunningham years. And I suffered through uh, Elvis Gerback and, and Todd Haley. And, and I, I lived there in the, mid, in the mid 80s. There was a time where the Chiefs were so bad when you lived in Kansas City, they didn't even broadcast their games on TV in Kansas City. That's how bad they were. You could go to, you could decide, man, I want to go to a game, go last minute, and there's all these people out selling tickets. You could buy a ticket for 10 bucks and go into the game, and the, and the stadium would be like half full. It was horrible. It was terrible. Okay, so I love the Chiefs. And, and Laura will tell you that I, I rarely miss watching a game on TV. In fact, they play the Chicago Bears today at 325. And so if you call my phone or you need me, I'm probably not going to be available till about 7. So I'm just saying. Uh, and and, and when, I, when, I watch, when I can't watch the games, I, I always record them. And I, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want Brett, don't text me and say, hey, did you see that? Um, I don't want to know what's happened. I don't want to know the score. I won't get on Facebook. I don't turn on ESPN. I don't, I don't want to know what's happened. I want to just sit and watch the game like it's live. And uh, this past Sunday, the Chiefs played. They had a noon game. And, of course, we had church. We had a great service with Rob McCorkle. Was that awesome last weekend with Rob and Cindy? And, and so uh, after the service, Rob and Cindy, we, we wrapped things up on Sunday morning. And uh, you probably saw their big bus that they had out in the back. And Laura and I were getting ready to leave. And, and they were sitting. And, and, and they, we were kind of the last ones to leave the church behind the teens. They always leave after us. You guys are awesome. Uh, but we were we were headed out, and uh, they shouted through the window, hey, come in and have a cup of coffee with us. So we sat, and we visited with them for a couple of hours, and then about two o'clock, we attended a celebration for Sheila Ross. She's probably working in the, in the uh, video thing today, but Sheila celebrated 20 years of sobriety, Woo! and it was awesome. And it was a great celebration, and so we were there. I got home, it was like 4 o'clock, and uh, I sat down, was going to watch the Chiefs game. I had recorded it, and, and I don't know why I did this. I, I've never done this before, but I just decided to go ahead and look up the score. Chiefs were playing in Jacksonville, and uh, the Chiefs won 17-9. to 
Some of you are not near as excited as I am about that. But they won 17-9. Here's why I'm telling you all this. You guys are like, too much cheese, man. I don't need to know all this stuff. But here's why I'm telling you this. Is that knowing the outcome of the game totally changed the way that I watched the game. Knowing that the Chiefs had already won the game totally changed that I watched the game. It was awesome, really. Laura will tell you that normally when the Chiefs plays, I'm like a wreck, man. I'm all over the place. I can't sit. I'm up. I'm down. I'm up there. I'm, I'm yelling. I'm shouting. I'm, taking, I'm throwing stuff at the TV, and it's horrible. I don't know. What, you know you're like, why do you even do that to yourself? But, but last Sunday, I'm watching the game, and in the first quarter, Dane, when the Chiefs couldn't move the ball, I didn't care, man. I'm sitting, back in my, I'm sitting back in the recliner, just chilling, <laughs> relaxed. And, and when the Chiefs turned the ball over three times, two fumbles and an interception, I just laughed. It was like, ha, no biggie. Didn't matter. And at the end of the game, when the Chiefs are only up by one score and Jacksonville driving, I'm sitting, no worry, no anxiety, not at all. I, I knew that it was going to be in my favor. Totally changed that I, how I watched the game. Simply because I knew that my team had already won. Guys, this is what John is saying right here. This is what he's saying here. He's saying everyone who is born into the family of God, everyone who loves God and expresses that love by loving each other and obeying his commands, our faith, everyone who takes and put our faith in who he is, for everyone who has done that, he has already won. We already have, past tense, the victory. That's awesome, man. Come on, man. You guys, we got to get, get more with it. I went to the Nebraska game yesterday and got to go. And, and man, and there wasn't a whole lot to shout about in the first half. But, man, anything that good was happening, everybody was really super excited. This is way better than the Husker game. I'm telling you right now. It's perfectly okay to have fun in church. And so we already have the victory. In fact, let me, let me just break this down a little different way. This thought hit me this past week. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about it in terms of even how we pray. And the thought hit me, I wonder, I wonder what God thinks, I wonder how he feels when we continue to ask him over and over and over again for what he's already promised is ours. When we ask him over and over and over again what he's already said, I've already given to you. I want you to think about this. Your parents, think about this. Imagine if you, you knew that one of your kids, that what they wanted more than anything else was they just, they wanted a new bike. And because you love them uh, and you love to give good gifts to your children, you know, in, in November you decide, um, you know what, I, I, just, I, I just love to give good gifts to you. And so you, you go to them and you say, hey, um, I, I, I know I'm going to ruin the surprise, but I know how much you've wanted a new bike. I think you're ready for it, and I think it would be a great gift for you, and I, I just love you so much. I love to give you good gifts, and, and so I know it's going to ruin the surprise for Christmas, but this year for Christmas, I have gotten you a brand new bike. I mean, I already bought it. It's beautiful. It's blue. It's got 21 speeds. It's got handbrakes. It's everything that you would want in a bike, and because I love you so much, this is the gift that I've got for you, and I'm going to give to you. 
I can't wait to give it to you next month. And all the kids are like, how cruel, you know? I mean, no. You get, th- this is what I'm going to do. Imagine with me. If you had that conversation with your kids and the next day your child comes to you and says, hey, you know what, Dad, I've been thinking, um, what I would really like for Christmas is a new bike. I, I mean, I really want a new bike. You think you could buy me a bike? Did, did, did you even hear what I told you yesterday? That's what, did, I want to give you a bike. I already got a bike. It's yours. On Christmas morning, you're going to receive this bike. I told you you were going to get it. And then the next day, they come to you, and you're like, Dad, I, I'd really like a new bike. Please, Dad, could you get me a new bike? Next day, Dad, oh, I want a bike so bad. Please, Dad, please, Dad. Next day, I'm not even sure you're hearing me, Dad. I said, I, 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 how bad I really need this new bike. Dad, are you even there? Are you even listening? Don't you know how bad I need this bike? Now, I know that's a silly example, and the analogy breaks down on certain levels, but the point is, you would be like, come on, man, did you not hear me? Do you not know my heart for you? I'm your, I'm your father. I love you. I want what's best for you. I mean, I've got it. I paid for it. It's already yours. You may not have seen it yet, but I just want you to trust me. If I said it, I'll do it. It is already yours. Ooh, come on. Jesus said this. He said, if you who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more does your heavenly Father give what is good to those who ask him? But how many know that God is a better father, a better parent than any of us? Yeah, aren't you thankful for that? Man, I'm just, I'm just trying to, I really want to increase our faith here this morning. This is really my goal. Because if what John said is true here, that our faith is directly linked to our victory. What is faith? According to Hebrews 11.1, 1, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the substance. That, that word substance is a word that means that which is in actual existence. Our faith is the substance of things that are hopeful. This is not a pie in the sky. I hope it may happen someday. There's substance to this. It's the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. And I would just add yet to the end of that. See, I'm just convinced that what brings victory is when we determine that we are going to grab hold of what God has said, when we latch on to it, when we believe it, when we add our faith to it, we begin to speak it, and we thank him for it, and then we wait in expectation that what God said he will do. See, man, I'm just convinced that when God gives us a promise, which, by the way, did you know that in this book, there are 7,484, 85 promises that God has given to us, that God has spoken. This is what I'm going to do for my people. Seven, almost 7,500. It's a good book to read, man. You got to pick it up once in a while. 
And so there, there are all these promises that God has given to us. And if we'll latch on to them, we'll grab hold of them. See, I'm just convinced that when God makes a promise, even if Christmas morning has not come yet, even if we haven't seen it with our own eyes, man, I'm just convinced that there comes a point in time where we need to move from the, the place of request to a place of thanksgiving. That, that we can thank God for what he has said he would do. That we don't have to ask him anymore. That we can thank him for the victory that he's already said. Is, is anybody awake in this Baptist church this morning? All right. Numbers 23, 19 says that God is not a man that he should lie. He, he, he does not lie. He's, he's not a human being, so he doesn't change his mind. He's never spoken and failed to act. He's never promised something and not carried it through. Come on, all of his promises, according to 2 Corinthians 1, 20, are yes and amen. I don't know about this, man. I'm preaching about 80% better than their respondent day, and I don't know what's up. Yeah. This is good news, man. His promises are yes and amen. If God said it, he'll do it. That's the bottom line. And so what we need to understand is that our victory, our victory is tied to believing that. Our victory is tied to holding on to that. I, I mean, imagine how different life would be if you and I just believe that no matter what circumstances came our way, no matter how many times we fumbled the ball, no matter how many times we experienced setback in our lives, no matter how many times things weren't going the way that they thought that they would, they would go, that imagine if we knew that at the end of the day we already had won. Victory was already ours. How would life be different? This is what John says. He says, this is the victory that has already overcome whatever it is that you're facing today. I love what the apostle Paul says in Romans chapter eight. He says like this in verse, in verse 35, in fact, he asks this question. He says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? What can separate us? Who can separate us? I mean, he says, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or, or sword? In other words, what Paul is doing, he's being very honest here. He's like, listen, understand, you're probably going to have to face some trouble in this life. You're probably going to have to go through some stuff. I mean, it's just, it's part of life. It's part of living in a sinful world. You're going to have to face some trouble. There are going to be times where you may not feel like the ball is advancing like you wanted it to. There are going to be times when you look up at the scoreboard and it looks like you're losing. But Paul says, guess what? In all these things, in all these things, in all of the trouble that you may have to face in life, he says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then I love this. He says, for I am convinced, I am persuaded, there's nothing that can change my mind. I'm sure of this. I know that I know that I know that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah. yeah. 
Why could Paul say that? Because he knew something. He, he knew that when Jesus died on the cross, he knew what Jesus said. What did Jesus say when he died on the cross? It is finished. He said, it is finished. And in that moment, what Jesus was saying is every single battle that you'll ever face, that battle has already, in this moment, that battle has been won. That the enemy is defeated forever. This was the victory. When Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave three days later, this was the victory that has already overcome. Come on, anybody believe that this morning? This is the victory. Because of Jesus, you are, this is good news. You are more than a conqueror. More, what does it mean to be more than a conqueror? I love the way that John Piper explains this. He says that a conqueror defeats his enemy. But one who is more than a conqueror subjugates his enemy. In other words, a conqueror nullifies the purpose of his enemy, but one who is more than a conqueror makes the enemy serve his own purposes. A conqueror strikes down his foe, but one who is more than a conqueror makes his foe his slave. Man, don't miss this. Because God's promise is not just to deliver us from our suffering. Oh, the promise is way better than that. His promise is that he can actually take whatever pain, whatever suffering, whatever difficulty we experience in this life, and he can force it, he can make it serve our purposes. Now, that's why we say that God won't ever waste a hurt. He'll never waste a hurt. This is why Paul could say in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, he, he said this, he said, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us or producing in us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. What, what light and momentary troubles was Paul talking about? I mean, surely he didn't go through the kind of stuff that we had to go through. Well, he tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says this, and this is his resume, really. He says, you know what? This is what I've gone through five times. I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers." I have labored and toiled and I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and I've often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all of the churches. And Paul says, in all of those things, in the midst of all of those challenges that I've had to endure in my life, all of those difficulties, God has used them. Now, he, he didn't cause them but he has used them in order to achieve for us a glory that outweighs them all. This is the promise that Paul gives in Romans 8, 28. He says, and we know that in all things that God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purposes. Listen, I want you to know this morning that if you're in Christ, that if you've surrendered your life to Christ, then he's talking about you. You've been called according to his purposes. 
And so he's saying right here that, hey, you don't have to sweat it. You don't have to worry about it. You've already got the victory because God works for the good of all those who love him in all things. That this is why we can say, doesn't matter what the enemy tries to do to us. Because what he intended for harm, God will take and he'll use it for our victory. That's why we could sing that song this morning. So, so how do you have this kind of victory? I want to just kind of get real practical here. And I believe that John kind of leads us into to three um, things that we can hold on to in order to live lives not just hoping for, living towards, but actually living from a victory that we already have. John, John says this, he begins, he says, if anyone is born of God, how do you get born of God? By dying to yourself. The, the way that birth comes is through death. And so it begins by being born of God begins when we make the conscious decision to confess our sins and say, you know what, I'm a sinner. I'm going to repent of that. But it also involves stepping down from the throne of our lives where I'm the one who calls the shots. I'm the one who knows what's best. I'm the king of my life. And we step down from that throne and we give Jesus his rightful place. This is the paradox of the gospel, that the only way to experience true victory in life is through surrender. The only way to experience victory is surrendering all that we are to Jesus. Hear me on this. You will never truly experience victory in life until you allow God to have victory over you. I can't have victory over my situation until Jesus has victory over me. I can't have victory in life until I give him victory over my attitude, over my decisions, over every aspect of my life. I've got to allow Jesus to have victory over my heart. True victory only comes through waving the white flag to Jesus and saying, you know what, man, I'm tired of fighting this thing on my own. I'm tired of pushing you away from me. I'm tired of always living in defeat. And so, Lord, I give up. I surrender. Have victory over me. I'm telling you, God has to have victory over you before you can have victory over the situation. This is why, why John says that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, everyone, this word believe, it's a, it's a strong word, man. It's a word that like, it's, it's like, I believe it so much that I'm willing to stake my life on it. It's a word that, you know, it, 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 it's kind of like this. It, it, it's, it's like I could say, I believe that that chair is strong enough to hold my weight. I believe that. And, and, then, and then you say to me, well, okay, we'll go ahead and have a seat. And I'm like, I ain't sitting in that chair. <laughs> I don't really believe that. I, I mean, it's a belief that drives us to action. It's a belief that, man, I'm willing to stake my life on this. And he says, anyone who believes in Jesus, that he is the Christ, is born of God and overcomes the world. This is so cool. Because overcoming the world is tied to believing in Jesus. How cool is that? The ones that overcome the world are who? They're the ones who put their faith in Jesus. Jesus. 
This is the victory we have over the wickedness of this world. We achieve this glory through our faith in Jesus. Come on, guys. I mean, we, we, Rob talked about this last week, that we can have victory over sin in our lives. We don't have to be con- controlled. We don't have to be slaves to sin. Everyone who puts his faith in Jesus, we don't have to be controlled by, we don't have to be slaves by discouragement. We can have victory over discouragement. We can have victory over temptation. We can have victory over addiction. Yeah, Sheila's a great example of that, man. 20 years, come on. We've got others who have celebrated this with us. I mean, we have a room here full of people who have said, man, God has done the same thing for me. Yay, God. Can't argue with the testimony. You can argue theology all day long. You cannot argue with a transformed life. God does that. We can have victory over things like that. We have victory over lust. We can have victory over anger. We can have victory over hatred and unforgiveness. But the only way is by surrendering to and putting our faith in Jesus. Number two, not only... Does it begin with surrender? Number two, we gotta believe what God says. Listen, I I can't experience victory in my life if I'm not sure that God wants me to have victory. I mean, and how do I know if God wants me to have victory? How do I, if, if the only time I hear it is on Sunday, if the only time that I listen to God's word is on Sunday, come on, that's not good enough, man. So some of you, let's be honest, some of you only get into the bread once a week. And we gotta, we gotta eat from it daily. We can't survive on one meal a week. We gotta wake up and we gotta get some manna on a daily basis. And the reality is that what we really need in this church and what we really need in our lives is we need a manifest, man. We just need some people who will grab hold of God's word and God's promises and say, man, if God said it, I believe it. And I'm gonna walk in it. We, we need a manifest going in the house. We need to start opening his word and we need to get in the word of God and we need to get God's word in us. And, and listen, I know sometimes it's hard, it's intimidating and that's why we've tried to help in this. If you, if you stop by the table in front of the uh, You Belong Here wall, we've got a little sheet, it's called a soap guide and it's just a, a list of some scriptures that you can read through and soap is really easy. It's an acronym. The S is for scripture. The O is for when I read it, what do I observe? Observe, oh, observe. The A is how does this apply to my life? I mean, what's God saying to me? How am I supposed to respond to this? And then the P is just prayer. Just pray that scripture. God, help me to walk this out. Help me to do it. And I mean, it's something that you can do in 15 minutes. But I mean, it's, it's word. It's getting that in you. We gotta get his word in us. That's what we need. Man, I'm just trying to help you have victory in your life. That's what this is all about. And God's word has the power to help us. Man, it'll help us wake up, it'll help us rise up, it'll help us grow up, and it'll help us show up. And it'll help us to be all that God wants us to be. I'm telling you, there's there's victorious power when you grab hold of God's word. Or Or better yet, really the power comes when we allow it to grab hold of us. It's kind of like this, uh, a few months ago, uh, Laura got, had got on this website for, for unclaimed property here in Nebraska. And uh, she put our names in this website, did a search, and she found out that under my name, that there was $250 of unclaimed property. And I didn't know it was there. I had no idea that it was there. 
And, 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 but it said that in order to claim this property, I had to get on, I had to, I had to put my name in, I had to actually claim it. If I wanted to receive it, I had to claim it. And, and this money, I don't know how long, I don't even know where it came from. It didn't, it didn't say where it came from. I don't know how long it had been sitting there. But the bottom line was, it was mine. I just had never claimed it. It wasn't doing me any good sitting in the account, whatever account it was, because I hadn't claimed it. I didn't even know it was there. But, but all it took was Laura to do a little digging, and, and it took me stepping out and making a claim on it, and the next thing you know, within like a week and a half, all of a sudden I got this $250 check in the mail. So cool. And Laura took it. No, see, what, what I'm trying to help you understand... God has written some checks. He's he's written some checks out of an account that has no limit. But unfortunately, too many of his promises go unclaimed because we're not mining them. We're not claiming them. We're not digging in and finding out and discovering what treasures that he has waiting for us. And listen, man, this is something that God has been really working in me personally. And just so you know, I mean, this is the way that I preach, is that whenever God teaches me something, I just figure if it's good enough for me, it's good enough for y'all. And so I just, I think if anybody else can benefit from what God's trying to do in my own heart. And so God's been working in me over the past uh, year or so in this. But I, I want to give you just a really quick example uh, so, so uh, that you kind of understand. Many, many of you know that... Um, Laura and I have two kids. We have a son and um, we have a daughter. And uh, six months ago, which many of you don't know, is that six months ago, our family, man, we were, we were really struggling. And I told, I told a couple people, I said, you know, nobody, nobody really knew it, but all it would have taken was a stiff breeze to blow us over, man. We were just holding on, and we hadn't given up faith or anything like that, but just were holding on, and our, our family was really, really struggling. And, um, and, and I, I, I asked both of my kids, I called them uh, Friday and said, hey, I want to feel like I feel led to share this. And I asked their permission. And so they gave me permission to share this. And, and I'm not going to go into really deep depth because I just feel like much of the story is their story to share. It's not mine. And hopefully someday uh, they'll do that. I believe that they'll have an opportunity to do that here someday. But, but six months ago, man, both of them, their lives were spiraling out of control. And our daughter's life was a mess, and she was really struggling with discouragement and depression and some suicidal thoughts and all kinds of stuff, and just totally out of control. And our son, many of you know this, that for the past 10 years or so, he's been incarcerated, and so he was in prison and just dealing, he was in one of the worst prisons in the entire state of Kansas, and it was like everything that could go wrong would go wrong, and, and uh, he, he actually had, had been uh, attacked several times. He got stabbed. We got a call that he got stabbed in the face and just I mean we're like we can't do anything and and it, we were just drowning in it and uh in February of last year or this year I'm sorry this year in February we were actually out in Arizona and we were visiting Laura's parents and uh one morning I woke up early I couldn't sleep 
And I got up about, I don't know, it was probably 4 a.m., something like that. And I just went out into the living room all by myself. And I sat there, and I was just sitting there to pray. And I had my Bible. I was going to read my Bible. And I took a lot of times in my devotional time, I like to put my uh, AirPods in. And I I just like to spend some time listening to worship music. And uh, I I stumbled across Bethel Worship had just released this new album called Homecoming. and, And there was a song on there called Ring and Robe. And it's a story about the prodigal son. And at the end of this song, they're just singing over and over. There's this celebration that the prodigal had come home. And at the end of the song, they're just singing, welcome home, welcome home, welcome over and over and over again, welcome home. And as I listen to that song, I just begin to pray, God, that's all I want. I mean, that's all I want. I just want my kids to come home. I want my family to be healed. I want, I want my kids to come home. And then I clarified, not home to live with us because they're both adults. And <laughs> Laura and I kind of enjoy being empty nesters. And so, but come home, you know. Come home to you. Restore our family. And again, Noah was in prison at the time and has been for pretty much the past 10 years. And we had kind of lost contact with our daughter and things were not good. I, I just wanted him to come home. And I prayed that prayer, and I was like, God, do you hear me? Are you there? I just need a word. I just just need to hear from you. And and I I don't do this very often, and I'm not recommending this method. I I mean, I've, I've, I've done it before, you know, kind of the let it fall open and plop. And there's lots of times before where, um, you know, I've done that and it, um, it's fallen into like numbers and given me a genealogy <laughs> scripture or something like that. But I, um, I just, I didn't know what to do. I just let my Bible fall open. Can I steal those Kleenexes from you down under the chair? Yeah. Thank you. I just let it fall open. That way you guys don't have to listen to me snot uh, and sniff, but... I just let it open to, and it fell open to Isaiah chapter 60. And I began to read in verse 1. It says, Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. And I stopped and I thought, okay, that's great, God. I mean, that's, that's, that's a great word, but it's not really what I'm looking for. And I just, I felt impressed to keep reading and I'm so glad I did because verse four says, look and see. For everyone is coming home. Your sons are coming from distant lands. Your little daughters will be carried home and your eyes will shine and your heart will thrill with joy, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but at the end in verse 22 it says, And at the right time, I, the Lord, will do this. A few days later, a friend of mine from Kansas City sent me a, a message. He said, Man, I was just praying for you this morning, and God gave me this word that I felt like I was supposed to share with you. It's from Jeremiah 31. And it says, but this is what the Lord says. Don't weep any longer. Sorry, God. (laughs) You made me this way. 
says, don't weep any longer, for I will reward you, says the Lord. Your children will come back to you from a distant land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, says the Lord. Your children will come again to their own land. Tell me, tell me that God doesn't speak to us through his word. Tell me that. No. He absolutely does. And here's what he spoke to me. He said, Doug... You've been asking me for this. You know, I, ta- I preached about suddenly moments, three sermons in a row almost. Our suddenly moment has been preceded by 18 years of crying and crying out and hollering and holding on and not feeling like we're holding on that well, but doing our best to have faith and trust. And, 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 and what God spoke to me, he said, Doug, you've been asking me for 18 years. You've been asking me to do this, and you don't have to ask me anymore because I've already given you a promise. All you need to do is believe it, give thanks for it. He's like, man, I already promised you the bike. I purchased it. I got it. At just the right time, I'm going to give it to you. Man, can I just tell you that we, we latched on to that word and, and, and that was the moment when we began to latch onto that, things began to shift. This was back in February. And today, both of our kids have surrendered their lives to Jesus. Our family has been restored. I mean, this is, these are, and God's given us words all along. I mean, he told us a long time ago, his promise was that he would restore the years that the locusts have eaten. And, 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 and our kids, they've surrendered their lives to Jesus. Our family's been restored. Both of them call us pretty much every day. They're driving us nuts. I mean, we've talked to them more in the past couple months than we have for the past 10 years. God has reconciled them to each other. In, in fact, Laura and I, I don't, usually, I don't usually say this because when the pastor's gone, people feel like they have permission to be gone, but come back next week. Laura and I are not gonna be here next week because we're flying out to South Carolina and we're gonna watch our son get baptized. Yeah. God is doing so much, man. And I'd tell you more, I talked to him the other day and I told him, I said, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be respectful. It's your story to tell. And he said, I trust you, dad. He said, you tell as much as you want because if it'll help somebody else, then it's all worth it. Yeah. No, no, it's, he's, he started it. This is so cool. We got a call the first day down. He's in a treatment center and he's been there for about six weeks. And the first day down there, I got a call and said, man, we can't believe your son. He got down here and he's asking, he's, he started a Bible study and the first day, it was him and another guy. And, and then they called later and said a, couple, a few days have passed. And he said, he wants to know if you'll send some Bibles down here. Because now, at like 6 in the morning before programming starts, he's got 20 guys that they're leading in a Bible study. So we sent down three cases of Bibles, man. So cool what God has done. We just, we just but it took, we latched onto that word. And we held on to it. And, and we're so thankful for what God has done. I'm telling you, there is something powerful when you grab hold of a promise that God has given to you. It's like, a, it's like a weapon that every time the enemy comes and tries to say, oh man, look at the scoreboard. 
You're not advancing the ball like you thought you would, man. You fumble the ball. And we can say, yeah, I see that with my eyes, but I can see deeper through the spirit with my spiritual eyes. And that may be what things look like to you. And that's what you're trying to convince me of. But this is what God said. And we hold on to what God said. The enemy can't fight against that. In those moments when he comes against us and in the physical, it's not matching up to what God has said. There is a greater truth than what we see and it's found in what God said. We just gotta hold on to it that at the right time, God will do what he said he would do. That that, that, that the Lord our God will make whatever he said happen, happen. We gotta hold on to that. I, I mean, Why would anybody ever want to walk another day in defeat? Why would we want to do that? When Jesus has already given us the victory, we already have the victory because Jesus lives in us and he's already won every battle that we'll ever face. Last one, Brian, come help me and we're going to wrap this up. The victory begins, first of all, when we surrender our lives to Christ. Secondly, when we put our faith in and grab hold of the promises that God has given to us. And then number three, this is the big one, when we determine that we will walk in obedience. John says, whoever loves the Father, whoever loves the Son, is born of God, and whoever is born of God has victory. But he says this in verse three, he says, for this is the love of God. This is how we express love to God. We keep his commandments. We do what he said. This is a a theme that John repeats over and over in his his gospel. If you go to the gospel of John, in fact, in John 14 and 15, Jesus really drives this home multiple times. He says this over and over and over again. He says, if you love me, you'll obey me. He, He says, the one who loves me, the one who keeps my commandments is the one who loves me. He says, the ones who don't love me don't obey me. And all who love me are going to do what I say. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. When you obey me, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father and remain in his love. Over and over and over again, Jesus equates obedience to him with love for him. In fact, he, he really says that it is impossible to love him without obeying him. That's what he says. And I love what John says next. He says, he says here's the good news. I mean, we, we love him when we obey him, but know this, his commands are not burdensome. His, his commands are, are not burdensome. That word burdensome is a word that means cruel. It's a word that means unfair. It's a word that means heavy in weight. So Jesus, he he says it like this. He says, you can come follow me and know that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In biblical days, um, oxen were typically used in order to do heavy labor and so They would use a pair of oxen to pull wagons or plows or heavy equipment, things like that. And in order to distribute the burden, oxen would be yoked together. And so that way, 
one, not just one of them, you know, would have to carry the entire load alone. This is incredible. Because what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, hey, understand this. I will never ask anything of you. I'll never demand anything of you that I myself will not provide the strength for you to accomplish. In other words, he's saying, if you'll just yoke yourself to me and allow me to be yoked to you and you put your trust in me and you rely on my power and in my strength because my yoke is easy and my burden is light, you'll be able to accomplish whatever it is I've commanded you to accomplish if you'll just yoke yourself to me. You see, the commands of God, they're not burdensome. We, we get this so messed up, man. They're not, the commands are not, they're freeing. The commands are meant to be freeing and life-giving and they're intended to bring us victory in our lives. They're not burdensome. You wanna know what's burdensome? Sin is burdensome. I mean, it's not burdensome to walk in the truth. It's not burdensome to walk in honesty. It's incredibly burdensome to remember all the lies. It's incredibly burdensome to remember. Now, I told this person this thing, and I told that person that thing, and what did I say here, man? I mean, you talk about a burden. It's not burdensome not to steal, to live a life of integrity and be honest. It's not burdensome to live a life of purity. It's not burdensome to not hate and not murder and not lust, but it is incredibly burdensome to deal with all of the consequences that sin brings in our lives. You talk about a burden, man. Come on, Jesus wants us to be free. He, he died so we could be set free from all that. Sin leads to death. The commandments of God are intended to lead to life. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Victory, man. Talk about victory. What would it look like? What would our lives look like if we really understood no matter what we face, the game is fixed? We already won. We, we, already, we already have the victory. No matter what happens, we have the victory and we have already overcome. I think we'd, we'd probably just be like the psalmist who said, my soul finds rest in God. My soul finds rest in God. See, I'm just convinced that is how we are intended to live, in victory, which begins by complete surrender, grabbing a hold of the word, Believing what God has said. Saying, man, if you said it, I believe it. I'm going to live into it. I'm going to thank you for it. And then just obeying. When you say move, I move. When you say go here, I'm going to go here. God, do you want me to do this? Do you want me to, God, how do you want me to manage my finances? How do you want me to parent? How do you want me, what do you want me to do in my career? God, today as I get up and I go out, I don't know what encounters I'm going to have. But I pray that you would open the door, bring some God-ordained encounters in my life, and I'm just going to listen to you. I'm going to love people the way you love them. Everybody I come in contact with, I pray that you'd help me to see them with your eyes, love them with your heart, serve them with your hands. Just work through me, God. 
Man, we have not because we ask not. Victory, victory, victory. Jesus, Jesus. I want to pray before we cut you loose this morning. I'm going to ask for every head to be bowed and every eye closed. And there are some folks who walked in this morning and the reason you came is because God wanted you to know the life that he has for you. You've experienced defeat and struggle and heartache and a lot of it hasn't made sense. And just to be honest, there's lots of ways where you just say, I I don't see any way that God is working in this. How could he even work in this? God didn't cause it, but he can work in everything. But it begins with surrender. And I just believe with all my heart, there are some who are in this room, there are some who are joining us online, and the reason you're here is because Jesus wants to meet you face to face. He's called you here. And it begins with your surrender to him. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray a short little prayer. And if you're here this morning with no, nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, and you would say, Doug, would you, just, would you include me? I, I just wanna be included in this prayer. I, I wanna surrender my life to Jesus. I'm not gonna call you out. I'm not gonna call you by name or anything like that. I just wanna include you in this prayer. And if you're saying, hey, include me, would you just, real quick, just lift your hand up so I know I'm praying for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. You can put your hands down. Yeah. Father, this morning we come to you. We thank you for your spirit that you promised that every time we gather like this that you'll be here with us. In fact, uh, we're carriers of your spirit. So wherever we go, there you are. (laughs) We're thankful for that. You're here this morning and you've been speaking and working and there are several in this room who raised their hands and said, hey, today I want what you've been talking about. If this is really true, I wanna experience it. And so today, Father, my prayer is that you would meet each individual exactly where they are. You know their story. You know their past. You know their defeats and their failures. You know the things that ignite their hearts, Father. You created each one, and you have this deep driving passion. You're not mad at anybody. You just love. You're like that perfect parent who just wants the best for us. Some of us never experienced that in this physical life. But God, you you said that you would be a father to the fatherless and you're that perfect father who loves with complete abandonment, complete self-sacrifice. You love so much that you sent your son Jesus from the splendor and the glory of heaven to come to this planet and to hang on a cross, to allow himself to be crucified and allow his blood to be shed because that's how much you love us. And today for each person, who lift their hand. I just pray that you would cover them. And I'm just gonna invite you in the quietness of your own heart to just just take these words that I'm gonna pray and make them your own and say, Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. I've I've failed you. I've, I've made my own messes in my own life and I've suffered the consequences. And today, I just confess that to you and I receive you into my life. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Today, I, I just, I just want to be all that you created me to be. And so I give my life to you. I'm stepping off 
the throne of my life. Some of you might even just envision that in your mind. I'm, I'm stepping off the throne. And I'm asking you, King Jesus, to take your rightful place. And I'm just going to submit to you. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, let's celebrate those who prayed that prayer today. Yeah. The Bible, the Bible says it compares this decision that you made like a new birth, like the old's passed away, everything has become new. You're a new creation in Christ, and you're a king's kid. This is really cool. You're a king's kid, and so we celebrate that today. I'm going to invite you to stand, and uh, as you stand, uh, we're going to go here in just a moment, but I just want to pray a real quick blessing over you before we leave, and then uh, I'm going to, when I say amen, make sure you uh, greet a few people, hug them around the neck, give them a high five, just love on some people before you leave, but Father, today, I just pray your blessing upon each one that's in this place. I pray that we would be able to walk in submission to you, and every place that we go, we would remember that, man, we are more than conquerors. We're not just conquerors, but through Christ, we are more than that, and we get walk in victory. And so, Lord, I just, you know, I almost feel bad for whatever comes our way this week. Whatever problems arise has no substance or stand against us because if you're with us, who can be against us? And we right now just speak the name of Jesus over it. We, and and here, this is so awesome. You already know what we're going to walk into on Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday of this next week. And you have gone before us and you're with us. And we, so we thank you for the victory that we have. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.